All right, I want to just continue our study, if we can please, tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about what we're trying to purpose as a church. What is our, what is our mission statement? What are we trying to accomplish? Let's do a quick review of what we shared in the last few weeks, if we can. And I'd like to go to Acts chapter 2, and I want you to see this verse, and let's read it out loud together. You ready? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church... All right, we find here there is praise from the people. This is after Pentecost. This is several weeks and maybe even months after Pentecost. And now he says the people have favor with all the people. That means they made people did not understand them, did not uh, agree with them, but they did respect them. There was favor there. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's look at the next one if we can, please. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, once again, the Apostle Paul is standing and looking to the eyes of pastors that he had trained in those three years in Ephesus. Let's read what it says, ready? Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. This is a great admonition. He said, I want you to take care of yourself and then oversee the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you an overseer and feed the church of God which he's purchased with his own blood. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15, and, and if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn there. I want you to read verse 16 as well. I think uh, there are some verses of the Bible that by themselves they're okay, but when they have a, um, a verse that kind of goes in tandem with it, it's better to read both of those at the same time. But let's look at this one, verse 15, and let's read it. We'll read verse 16 in our Bibles momentarily, but let's read it together. Ready? But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, the pillar and the ground of truth, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Let's pray together, can we? Our Father, thank you for the joy to be here tonight. I thank you for giving me the chance to share the gospel of Christ with a brand new brother now, Austin, there in Michigan City. Thank you, Lord, for the joy to be a part of a friendship that he had with other brothers in our church. I thank you, Lord, for taking Brother Mark home. This is what you wanted. I am assuming, Lord, this is, uh, this is your plan, and we can trust you, and we can rejoice in knowing that you do all things well. I do pray that you would please help us as we continue to study on the attributes of a local church. And I pray you'd please be glorified in the message I share in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. And of course, just a quick reminder, God uses His Word and His Spirit and His local church to get people the gospel. If you're saved today, you've accepted Christ, they had the joy to lead someone to Christ today, and you know what God did to bring him to Christ? He used His Word, His Spirit, and a local church. Someone from the local church, I think everyone who gets saved gets saved directly or indirectly because a local church was faithful to keep and propagate and protect the gospel of Jesus. And I love that. But, and, and remind you, verse number 16, the reason we read 16 is because 16 is all about what person? Jesus Christ. And that's what your life should be about. That's what my life should be about. The Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And that should be your testimony. I'm living for Christ. Christ is my life. He's not my hobby. He's not my interest. He's my life. Now, I challenge. I, I want to do that. I don't always do that, and you don't either, but we ought to be our, our purpose. Life is not about trials. It's about Christ. Life is not about losses. It's about Christ. Life is not about a, a fun time. It's about Christ. 
And keeping him a focal point in our heart and life is really key. And I think it's why the Apostle Paul, I don't know this to be the absolute sure, but several men who studied the Bible and timelines and chronological studies believe the Apostle Paul was only a missionary for 18 years from the time he left Antioch until he gave his life as a martyr. 18 years. Three on-purpose missionary journeys, and one of them for sure uh, that he, he went as a prisoner, and God used him there, and then potentially one other maybe between the two imprisonments in Rome. But man, what a man of God. But I know why God has used him, is because he was all about the person of Christ. He didn't care about suffering. He didn't want to suffer. He didn't like it. But he said, uh, if, if it's better for me to suffer, in the will of God, so be it. I'll just accept God's grace. He didn't like to be reproached and to be trashed and to be walked upon, but he said this, it doesn't matter. The more I love, the less I be loved. He said, it's okay, I don't care. As long, when people would criticize him and say, ah, you're not a good preacher, you're not this, you're not that, he said, you know, I just rejoice that Christ is preached. Even if it's preached with vainglory and it's preached with wrong pretense, I'm just happy that Jesus is being uh, proclaimed. I think when we think about some of the things that happen today and even this revival that's been talked about in the news and things of that nature, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know much about it, so I'm, not, I'm pretty ignorant of the whole thing. But I do think we ought to be careful not to be terribly critical of whatever God wants to do wherever he wants to do it. If Christ can be lifted up and someone can come and know Christ, I have... I have uh, met some people where they got saved listening to what I believe was a heretic. But there was enough truth in there to get them saved. <laughs> and they got saved. And I think the truth matters. We've got to be careful about throwing mud. We're just losing ground. And uh, we want to stand for what's true. We have to earnestly contend for the faith. But I thank God for a local church. I thank God for the Word of God. And I thank God for the Spirit of God very actively involved in getting people to Christ and actively involved in helping you and I be the Christians God wants us to be. You want to be a great Christian? Have a relationship with the Bible. You want to be a great Christian? Be responsive to the Holy Spirit of God. Brother Matt Waterhouse spoke to our students the other day, and he said, I would just encourage you to say yes, 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 every time God asks you to do something. Whatever he says, never say no to him. Just say yes, yes. If he presses you to do something, Learn to obey every spiritual impulse that God gives you in your life. Be responsive to God's Spirit. Be, in, be definitely dedicated to His Word and be involved in His local church. We're talking about that. There are five things I want to share with you real quickly by way of review why I think being a part of a local church is important. Number one, identification. When you're part of a local church, you're saying, I'm with Jesus and I'm with the body of Christ here and be faithful to the body. Number two, you're sub Injecting yourself to instruction with Jesus from God's word and from God's instruments and his teachers. Uh, I appreciate so much last night. I had the joy to be in the Bible Institute and to be there and just to see 40, 45 people there uh, studying the word of God on a Tuesday night. Man, it blessed my heart. And the growth that takes place, we're labors together with God and, and uh, we're just subject to, to, to faithful people. Then we find involvement, involvement in fellowship, in worship, in prayers. And what's the last one? Service. And so God wants us to, to be involved. And, and occasionally in church, people are just happy to sit and watch the world go by. And, I, and I, I grieve for them because I think you need to find someone 
Don't come and plop down and don't learn anybody. Learn somebody's name. Learn who they are. You know what we're commanded? To know them which labor among us and are over us in the Lord. It is not really an option. Apostle Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, to know the people who are, are serving with you and are over you. You don't have to know everybody in this whole church, but you ought to know more people than you know now. And you say, well, I just don't know anybody. I just call everybody brother and sister. You might want to learn a few people. You might want to decide, you know what? And, and you know how you'll do that? You'll learn it by going out of your comfort zone to be involved. Involved in worship, in prayers, and in service. Next is inspiration. The church is a place of identification, instruction, involvement, and inspiration. Inspira- inspires us to, to be pure and to be mature, to be servants. Uh, to exhort and edify others and to reach the gospel uh, to other people, take the gospel. I, I would say probably uh, the church has done more, and I, I don't know what would happen had I not been involved in a local church. I learned how to tell people about Christ first in local church. And all through the years of my life, I've been involved with a church that at least to some extent had a, had a, had a propensity to challenge its people to get the gospel out. Because that's the theme of the Bible. Uh, that's the theme of the Bible. When you think about praying, one of the main reasons, I'm not, I'm not opposed to praying when people are sick. We did it tonight. I did that right here with Brother, Fran, Brother John tonight. But sometimes we spend more of our time praying to keep Christians out of heaven than we do to keep sinners out of hell. We ought to pray earnestly for the lost to be saved. What a pray that God give me a chance to talk to someone about Jesus. Let me find someone, help someone grow. Let me make someone else's uh, spiritual maturity my personal responsibility. Well, wouldn't it be great if everybody in here decided, you know what, I, sometime between now and, uh, and May, I'm going to disciple someone through a few lessons of the Word of God. There are people who would be glad to do it. I was thinking about a precious man who got saved on Sunday and his lovely wife. They need someone to come alongside and love them. They're, they're precious people, and they need, the, they need God's people to help them. I saw a man get saved not too long ago, and he needs desperately. Uh, he needs a friend. He needs someone to come alongside and encourage him in the things of God. And you could be that person. It's a place of inspiration. And then it's also, lastly, it's a place of investment of our time, our talents, our treasures, our tithe, our offering, our alms. All of that, I think, is challenging through and uh, to invest now you can choose what you're going to do with your time. You can choose what you're going to do with your talent but to, and your treasure. And I, I was talking to someone the other day, and they're all excited about giving to something that really uh, the humane society or whatever, keeping dogs alive longer or whatever, and being more, I don't know. And, I, and I'm not against animals, but the truth of the matter is, if I had a choice to give to the work of God or give to some dog that's going to live a little longer, give me the emissions. Give me something that's going to last forever. Listen, whenever you're filling out your will and you're filling out your things, and I think you do need to give most of your giving while you're living. Whatever that means to you, you figure that out. That's not my business for you and not your business for me. But, uh, we, but all of us got to figure out when's enough enough. Those of you who are, who are, you know, you squirrel away all the savings. Let me tell you, you don't want to die with a bunch of money and give it to people who can't even, can't even they won't even tithe off it. You know it's not going to go to the work of the Lord, and you work a lifetime. I think we ought to care for you. We ought to be very careful about that and decide, okay, what's an, when's enough enough, number one, and then do your giving while you're living. But if you are uh, going to have some reserves whenever you pass away, uh, listen, you ought to think about what can I do to prosper the work of God in our day.
I do believe it's something all of us ought to think about. And uh, a little can go a long way in this world to get people the gospel of Christ. And whether it be a camp in, in Peru or whether it be uh, even helping these teenagers get to, get to walk down our clients to, to minister to bus workers and challenge them that there are young people like that someplace in the world that need the, need the gospel of Christ, that someone needs to run a bus in their neighborhood, that whatever we can do, let's find a way that we can encourage people in our, in our servants' conference when people come. And we're going to take an offering for it this evening. We're going to take an offering to, to raise some funds to, uh, to uh, get uh, materials out on the college campus to invite college young people in the, in the secular colleges to come to the, come to the church and come to activities and give them a gospel track and specifically designed to them. That's something I want to be involved with. I left, before I left my house, and I took some money. I want to make sure I have some money because I know what the offering is going to be about. But if I didn't know what the offering is I want to do that every time. I want to invest in things that matter most for eternity. And I think the church is a place of investment. Let's continue if we can, please. It also has a reason. Everything we do at First Baptist Church ought to fall within somewhat of a purpose. What do we do uh, out at the college? One thing I... I tried to do years ago, I was sitting on the platform, I was thinking, what are we trying to accomplish with these wonderful young people sitting out here? And the Lord brought to my mind that, uh, that verse that we just now read, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The old aged Paul writing the young Timothy, he says, Timothy, Here's how you behave yourself. And he gave six chapters. And chapter one, keep your doctrine sound. Chapter two, make prayer a priority. Chapter three, win and disciple others so they can be pastors and help their pastors. Chapter four, be a good testimony. Chapter five, uh, monitor your relationships, your responsibilities. Chapter six, make sure your finances are, are in order and, and that you, you manage your finances with wisdom. I think if we can help a child, help a young man that comes in at 18, leaves at 22, if he can walk out with, it, with at least those six basics in his life, I think they'll be used to the Lord. But why do we have a local church? What's our purpose here? What's the purpose for Open the Door? Why do we have a, a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service? Why do we have youth activities and youth retreats that our kids just got back from? Everything, why do we have a Christian school? Boy, this church, we would have a much easier time financially if we didn't have a Christian school. Why do we do that? Why do we have a men's home or a, 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 a rescue mission? It doesn't make us a dime. It doesn't help us at all. It's, it's a, why would we run buses, as many as 80 buses a week, all over this region? Why would we do that? Everything we do ought to have a reason. And I'm not always good at all those reasons, but look at a few of them real quickly. Number one, to focus on God's heart for every individual. The first reason I think we exist is say, Okay, what does God want for each person in this world? What do you think the first thing that God wants us to do? He wants them to be saved. Would you mind taking your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter, if you would please, chapter 3. 2 Peter is in the back of your Bible. You might be able to find it faster by going to, if you find the book of Hebrews, just look over a couple, a couple of um, books there or go to Revelation and back up. Look at chapter 3 and verse number 9. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. I'm sorry about that. 2 Peter 3, 9, everyone. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, 
So what do we know is that God is not willing to have happen? He doesn't want anyone to go to the lake of fire. He does not want you to go there. If anyone goes there, he goes there against the will of God. Everyone who goes to hell goes to hell unsaved. No one goes to hell unloved or unwanted. God loves them. He wanted them. And he wanted, if you're here tonight, you're not sure you're saved, you need to get saved. But the reason God has, um, has left the local church here is so that we could get men to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4, the Bible says that, that uh, he talks about uh, how the, he wants all men to, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, how many men again? All men. Number two, he wants people that are saved to be sanctified. Would you look, if you would please, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Let's look at verse number 3, and I'd like to back up in a little bit and look at uh, verse number 1 and 2. Furthermore, chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we, we beg you and we plead you because of Jesus, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, and ye abound more and more. We want you to, to please the Lord and just keep on growing. Verse number two, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Look at verse three and read it out loud with me, would you please? For this is the will of God. So God said, this is the will of God, even your what? He wants us to be clean, morally, especially, and set apart for God. He wants us to be the case. Look at the next part of that verse, if you would please, or verse number four, that every one of you, should know how to possess your his vessel in sanctification on That means your body. Okay, be careful what you see, be careful what you think, be careful what you listen to, be careful where you go, be careful what, what you do with your body, physically, sexually, and every other way imaginable. Here's what the Bible tells us, possess it. And not in the lust of concupiscence. And concupiscence is not a word we use a lot, but it means uh, it creating a desire for something that's forbidden. Concupiscence is, is creating interest in something that I know I'm not supposed to do. So if you drive by a, if you drive by a, a casino, there's lots of things to enhance you to come to that. Okay? But if that's a problem for you, listen, don't, don't drive by that casino. Whatever it is, don't, don't go by anything that you think it might be something that would tempt you. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you do. Concupiscence. He said, not in the lust of concupiscence. Continue on just for the sake of the, completing this particular thing. Even as the Gentiles, which know not God. He said, that's how these Gentiles live. They live uh, longing for things. Every, uh, every movie, every, every um, um, mo uh, video, music video, those are things that are trying to entice. You get on your Facebook and your TikToks and your, and your little um, shorts and Whatever it is, those little things, boy, they, they know. They can, you, you pick on a couple of those, they'll send you a lot more of that stuff to look. And it's creating desire for things that you know. You look at those things, you get involved with those things, you know how filthy you feel afterwards. It's not, you, it doesn't go along with the Holy Spirit. Those things that condemn you, they grieve you, they hurt you. And every other sin a man does doesn't affect his body the same way as immorality. It just messes with you. And I think it's one of the reasons why Satan is so aggressive at uh, making sure that's a problem for our young men and, unfortunately, our young ladies. 
Well, what's God's heart for every individual? Number one, they'd be saved. Number two, they'd be sanctified. Number three, they'd be separated unto God. Separated. And we'll look real quickly at this particular verse. Uh, let's go to, you may be familiar with Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's uh, one of my favorite things. Let's just go there if we can. And uh, maybe you can write down in your Bible, in your flyleaf, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where it says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. God wants us to be separated to Him. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Very popular verses of the Bible, but very rich in what they say. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because, once again, beseech means to plead with you or beg with you. Therefore, brethren, Christians, by the mercies of God, because God's been merciful to you and given you what you deserve, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He said, because God's been so good to you, why don't you just live for Him? If He died for us, we should, we should live for Him. He says, it's just a reasonable thing to do. But the, the crux of this will of God is found in verse number 2. Let's look at it. And be, ye not, and, be, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. And it's your thinking. That's where everything kind of begins to play out. That ye may prove or evaluate what is the good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of God. I'm so glad that God led me when I was young into independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist churches. I'm glad. Okay? Uh, and I'm also equally grateful at 55 years old that the Lord has kept me in churches like this one. This church is not better than other churches. It's, we've got a long way to go. We may be a little bit above average. We're nowhere near God's normal. I think you and I are honest with that. But I'm thankful for, for a church. I'm thankful there is a place where standards can be recognized. See, sometimes I'll find people say, well, we have the same doctrine, we just practice it differently. No, no, no. Doctrines determines decisions, and decisions determine destiny. Listen, why would, why would I have a high standard of holiness in a certain area? Why would I not listen to the wickedness of the world? Why would I, why would I not, not go places that are, that are, that are provocative and challenging? Why? Well, because of Bible doctrine. Because of things like that, that says, wherefore come out from among them. Every mom or dad is very concerned about who their children are influenced by. Would you agree with that? Only a negligent, uh, uh, really irresponsible parent would not care who their kids hang around with. But anybody who has a, has a brain in their head and love for their child says, I'm, I'm careful about that. Do you think God is any less than that? No, God is very concerned. Apostle Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Evil communications corrupt good manners. If you hang around the wrong kind of people, it's going to mess you up. You lay with dogs and you're going to get some fleas. You hang around the wrong kind of person, if you hang around a foul-mouthed person, you're going, to become, you're going to pick up on some of that stuff. It's just the way it happens. And a heavenly father says, come out from among them, be separate. He said, I want you to evaluate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So don't be conformed to this world. Stand out instead of blending in. The third thing, fourth thing here, is I think God wants every Christian to focus on individuals to be saved, to be sanctified, separated, and serving. Would you look if we'd please at that? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. I'd love to hear you turn your Bibles, and thank you for doing that. It's a very popular verse as well but a great verse to make sure that you have in your scriptures. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Let's read it together, if you would, please. If you're saved and you've been forgiven by the Lord, this is the, everybody ought to read this one. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Therefore, my beloved brethren, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that you're... God is going to continue to challenge you. If you read your Bible, it will, stimulate, it will be stimuli for you to do something for God. You don't just want to come someplace and just watch the world go by. I appreciate givers, but I think everybody ought to be a server. I think everybody ought to say, God, what can I do with you? And how can you use me? And what do you want me to do in your kingdom and in your cause for your cause? These are four things I know that are God's purpose for, our, for, for his church. He wants people to be saved. And by the way, if you're saved, what can we learn from number one there? If you're saved... Go soul winning. You ought to find someone else to witness to. You ought to be saved and soul conscious. Then we ought to be sanctified, separated, and serving the Lord. The next thing I want you to see on this right here is we need to bond people into the church family using love. And let's look up a couple of verses and we'll conclude tonight's Bible study. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 14. Would you turn there? We're in, we're in 2 Corinthians. Let's go over to Colossians chapter 3. I'm asking you to look at these up. I think it would be a very good idea. Teenagers, I think it's very good. Bible college students, anybody. Uh, you can tell a lot about someone uh, when you look at their Bible. And I'm not saying everybody has to mark their Bible, but I just, I like it. I like making notes of things that, that God speaks to my heart about. Underlying things that stand out to me, that help me. I'd encourage you to do that. But Colossians chapter 3, let's look at verse number 14, but let's look at 13 first. Can we read verse 13? Let me have all the men read 13. You ready, men? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any. So what do you think the theme of verse 13 is, if you put it in one word? Forgiveness. So if you've got a problem with someone, get over it. Figure it out, accept it, forgive them. Verse 14, let's all read that together. And above all these things, the bond of perfectness. Bond is another word for cement. Something holds it. Someone, you guys, if you guys have dentures, you put that, that uh, bond in there to keep them up there. I'm getting a little too personal, aren't I? I'm sorry about that. All right, you, you, you've got, uh, you got uh, Elmer's glue, and it's a bond. It holds things together. And he said, what holds the work of God together. He said it's the bond of perfectness. And I think one of our, one of our responsibilities as a church, why we do what we do, say, Pastor, I don't really like handshaking time. You know why we do that? Because it's not COVID. That's why we do that. We're over that. Celebrate. No, we do that because that's a chance for you to look around and say, who could I go be a blessing to? Who could I go send a note to? Who could I encourage? I think of it, there's a precious uh, single mom in this room. And uh, they, she works on the other side of Chicago, but she's been faithfully coming, bringing her child here. And, and when you get home tonight, whether you, if you're in Crown Point or what, she'll still have a little more miles to go. If you go to, if you go to Dyer or you, you go into Munster or Hammond, uh, she'll still be driving when you get home this evening to get to a place and to get here. You know what that girl needs when she comes in this room? She needs someone to smile at her and say, you're doing a good job. She needs someone to shake her hand and say, you know what, I'm so proud of you. But you're not going to do that if, you, if you're not observant and you don't love. Love gets out of her comfort zone. 
and looks around and sees someone. There's some precious people, and there, I think about Tom Owens, whose who's, uh, wife passed away. And uh, that guy needs the attention of God's people. He needs someone to remind him, and anyone who's going through a difficult time. Sometimes whenever someone has a difficult time, we are just on them right then. We make sure we, we're there, and that's good. It's wonderful. I remember listening to a lady say one time when, when she lost her loved one, she said, I was so overwhelmed with all the care, but then it seemed like it went by, and, and, and then the next several weeks there was just nobody attending to me. No one remembered, and I, I, I think it's a problem. I have that problem sometimes as well. But uh, she said, I felt like a little hungry girl on a hot summer day, and someone gave her 25 ice cream cones all at the same time. I said, I just couldn't absorb them all. He said, but if they would have spread that out and gave me one every day for 25 days, I think it would have helped me long term. You know, we can help people at the moment they need help, but also when somebody needs to remember to help them later on <laughs> and encourage them as they go through the difficult times of life. Uh, bond them in the church family using love. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Let's, while we're looking at this, one more verse and we'll conclude tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, back up two books of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll look at verses 2 and 3. Verse 1 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. That's a good idea for all of us to do. And realize, okay, if God's called me to do something for him, if you're a Sunday school teacher, well, come up to the bar. Be faithful. Be on time. If you're a nursery worker, be on time. He says, give worth to the vocation you're called to do. Anything God gives us to do, it's worth doing right. If you're an usher, do your best to get here on time. There may be some times where you're work and you're providentially hindered. If, if, you're, if you're a servant of Christ, uh, listen, let's elevate our behavior. Why? Because we are, we're servants of the Lord and we've got a job to do. He says, get, listen, if, you're, if, you're a, if you've got a vocation, give worth to it. It's the same word God uses for the Lord's Supper. One of the things that we do in the Lord's Supper is I try to very hard to just remind people that, listen, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take the Lord's Supper. We're going to be focusing on Jesus. So this is not a time to to mess around on your iPhone or you get your iPad out. This is not a time to chew gum. This is a time to, to give worth to the sufferings of Jesus. For, for, and, the people, and the Bible said those who gave it took it unworthily. They didn't give worth to it. They had, they had some consequences that God could put on their life. But here it says give worth to the vocation. Whatever it is God's called you to do, we ought to do it with, 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 some, with some worth. Look at verse number 2 and 3. The Bible says here, With all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in what? In love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You want to say, Pastor, what can I give to the body of Christ? Study the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 4 and try to live them. You'll be doing real good. But endeavoring to keep, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace and forbearing one another in love.